Have you had a fallout with your family due to losing your faith? Have you been kicked out of your family or lost friends for coming out? Do you need a support system? You are not alone. In a world where everyone seems to have an extreme point of view on everything, and in an era where anyone can record themselves and reiterate an old, washed-down proverb just so they get more likes and followers, I welcome you onto this ride that I and my wide variety of friends, family, and counselors will take to march on and better our lives. My name's Alfredo Carranza, and this is where I'm at. Hey everyone, welcome back to This Is Where I'm At. My name is Alfredo Carranza. I am so happy that you clicked on this. I'm so happy you're checking it out. This one is going to be amazing, you guys. And as you've heard me talk uh, through my life story and just through the things that I like, um, I have been trying, and I'm going to use the word try, uh, to be a good metal guitarist. And in all my years of listening to both mainstream and secular music and a lot of the Christian rock and metal that I listen to. Uh, there's not been one person that uh, I've met that has a, a love and a passion for it as much as this person that I'm about to introduce. Now, the great thing about this person too, is that not only in his core, does he love this and, and we jam out all the time. This is one of the best drummers I think I've ever played with, but he was also my pastor for several years and in my adult life, I'm going to say young adult life, but I was also recently called a, a boomer because of my age and my insight. <laughs> I'm going to say my adult life. Um, this is the man who has both held me accountable as a Christian brother. This has been someone who has given me great consultation and advice, brotherly advice. Uh, and this is someone who I consider to be my mentor. Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce... Eric Hoffmeister. Thank you, Fredo. Uh, I appreciate that intro a ton. And I do want to say um, that uh, I, I want to take a little bit of responsibility for you doing this podcast only because <laughs> I really, like, I just, I think I've always wanted you to continue to, to use your voice powerfully and I hope I've encouraged you along the way, just like you've encouraged me in various ways, and just you know the words you use just now encourage me. But to see it kind of come to fruition, and to and now to be a part of it, as you're uh, uh, extending that voice out there and and using the gifts that you have, um, because your your gifts are obvious to me, and knowing you for uh, a lot of years now, I mean at least a decade or something like that. We'll yeah, talk to totally. More than that, almost fifteen years, maybe. Uh. I don't know. 15 yeah. years since I was uh, on a, well, not camping trip, but uh, our, our one of our old churches, which is where we met at uh, from back in the day, mm. was uh, at a trip in Montana. Yes. And we were hanging out. We were about to go whitewater rafting. And, <laughs> and I had um, a sleeveless shirt because, you know, back then I, I didn't have pipes uh, as, as much as the, the chubby, semi-toned uh, <laughs> orangutan arms that I have now. Um <laughs> And uh, somebody came up to me and, and complimented me on my Boba Fett tattoo, and that go. was you. And yeah. I remember thinking, I was like, oh, cool. And um, did did you see the Metallica tattoo at the same time, or did that come later? Oh, man. I don't know if you... Is it on the same side? S same arm, just above it? I may have. Yeah, If you and especially if you're rocking a tank top, then I probably would have caught both of it. Uh, yeah, how could I miss it, right? Because I remember thinking, I was like, knows his Star Wars, and said that and justice for all was one of his favorite metallic oh albums and so i remember good. thinking i was like 
this is a new friend in life. <laughs> and what's uh, crazy is that I didn't even know you were with the same church. <laughs> I yeah. thought you, cause there's so many churches that went there, right. At, to this camp. I thought you were just like from another state. I was like, yeah. Oh dude, this dude's going to go back to Utah and I'll never talk to him again. That's I don't funny. know why I said Utah, but <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but back to Salt Lake city. Yeah. No oh, kidding. <laughs> and I remember, um, one of your, your old youth group kids whom I was becoming friends with at the time he was like no that's the yeah. that's the youth pastor at our church and i was like dude like i go to the same church as that guy <laughs> who was it by the way or can you just say it was it was our friend adam okay got it yeah okay, cool and so he was the one that's like what's dude. his last name no i'm just kidding i'm joking <laughs> what's his anyway. zip code again and uh <laughs> his dental records um yeah and so i remember like he was like dude like you gotta hear him drum because I think getting to know you in like the, I don't know, that 30, 30 minute trip or hike that we did, like yeah. you told me you were in a, not a Metallica cover band, but that your old band, your high school band used to cover Metallica totally. songs. And I was just like, I got to jam out with this dude. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and, yeah. The one of my, I mean, seriously, the, uh, this band that I played in when I was 16 and we did a, we did a, um, we played at 7th Street Entry at the new band comp, no, not a competition. It was like new band showcase. So it was like on a Tuesday night where you would. You know, nobody wanted Tuesday night anywhere because nobody goes out on Tuesday nights. It's just everybody. That's why you have all the drink specials and the free buffets and everything else on is, Tuesday is nights. Is that the equivalent of like having a gig in your church's basement and like two friends show up? Is that like kind of the equivalent to that? Pretty much exactly that. Yeah. It's all, all of the darkness and shame that goes into No, no it was a. Uh, but it was, but I remember because we did, um, we closed, we did a bunch of original songs that nobody cared about, and then we closed with Fade to Black. I love and that. then I had, I had, um, I had my mullet, and then I was doing double the double kick at the end of the song, and I had so much adrenaline going, my heart was racing. I was like, here comes the double kick part, and it was a. What I love about. Fredo and some of the connection we have is we there's certain things that like you taking a Metallica song like Fade to Black and then saying both of us saying do you hear the hope in the end of Fade to Black a lot of people will say Fade to Black this song oh my gosh it's terrible it's about talking taking Su your own life suicide yeah you know, suicide and all that death but, greets me warm now I will say goodbye yeah. yeah and then at the end we're like did you notice that it has this pulsating current of hope and destination in the end part and you know and like fredo's yeah i mean we we it's, it's cool to, to have another brother that can that can see that and kind of extract from you know music like that on another level and see the hope in something that a lot of people would not so yeah. Anyway, that's a nice tangent to go on. For sure. That's, that's Here's another funny thing. Hey, do me a favor. Pull the pop filter just a tiny bit more away from the microphone, just so there's a little bit more distance from you. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. That's going to be a fun thing for people to listen to. And you can bend the weird little snake thing. Is that better? That's better, yeah. Cause, okay. Yeah, because you're both... Can I still talk right up to it? Yeah. Okay, perfect. Cool. Perfect. Sorry about that, everybody. Pop, <laughs> no, pop. for sure. And, and, um, and somebody who who's told me, like, have this, have your guitar playing be more than something, you know, than just, like, jamming out in your basement with a bunch of posters on your wall, which were in my basement with mm -hmm. a bunch of posters on the wall. Mm -hmm. um, but, like, I mean, you 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 helped me take that craft so much seriously, and, and I wouldn't have given a rip about theory and, you know, nice. <laughs> you know, anything with music had I not, like, you know, both the worship team that I was a part of um, years ago, and then just hanging out with you and jamming out and talking music all the time. Cause, yeah. cause I mean, like you, you, th you think of that, 
the two guitar parts in Fade to Black, Hatfield doing everything up on the B note at the top of the neck, which is their common place for a lot of songs. So, you know, two and four on, what is it, A and D on the A and D string. Sure. And then Hammett doing his, what I like to call David Gilmore guitar solos. I mean, like for a band that wants to be fast and dark and talk about death, those are very bright and uppity and happy. You know, that's a, that's a, that's a very, there's a lot of light in that combination that they had in that song. Yeah, yeah. And I remember like years ago when we talk about, when we talked about that, like, like, Hey, like, do you get bummed out when you hear that song? I'm like, no, like it actually makes me appreciate life a little bit more than follow what the words are saying, which is, you know, I've given up now Bye. And, and how distinctly God is that, I think, where it's like we can get into this thing, especially Christians, we can get into that thing of saying there's a divide between the secular and the sacred. This is distinctly Christian, this is not. But the fact is, is that all that creative stuff comes from God, and then it's, and, and, and it can be corrupted and it can be polluted. But when, when you can sit and listen to a song and be edified, built up, inspired, hope-filled, whatever by it, because of some of the, the ways that they're playing and some of the... I never heard you liken Hammett's thing to David Gilmore. That's a new thing to me. Yeah. You threw me with that one, because now I'm thinking about his solos, because like, Gilmore had so many classic you, you, you solos. You gotta think of Comfortably Numb, yes. which is a song about overdosing. Yeah. You know, but that solo, that one, I mean, you could, you could put that in fade to black and it would be, no kidding. it would fit in. Yeah. And there, there was a, done a mashup of that. There, there is a YouTuber that mashed up oh, funny. Giltmore's solos into, into fade to black and it, they are hand in hand. But another song on the same thing, like I said, it's talking about overdosing. Um, but you know what, what the, the light that breaks through all these clouds and through the storm. Yeah. That's what I see when I hear a guitar solo like that. I'm like, I hear that hope reaching in and pulling me out of the muck, mm. you know, and, and the cold, wet rain. And then all of a sudden, like that sunshine that just brings like hope and freedom to it as well. And not, not that I'm saying, you know, that's what music is. Cause that's, that's what salvation is. But there's, there's so much of that, that I, I, extracted from music like that growing up that you know it was it was you and my youth pastor that i think were the only two people that like could talk about a you know a secular song and use it like Mm. in the sense of like christianity and your salvation and where are you at and what's the kind of freedom you know you need well and and i i remember that there was a when i I went spent some time you know really getting into jazz and i i listened to a lot of john coltrane and john coltrane saxophone player had this brilliant uh, album towards the end of his life called A Love Supreme. And I got, and only some Christians out there are going to know this phrase, right? But I got slain in the spirit oh, to yeah. that song, A Love Supreme, where I was laying in my bed. And it was a bad time in my life in a lot of ways. This is late 90s. And I was, I, you know, I, I was just whatever. And I remember playing that. And there's nothing, this wasn't played on Christian radio. This wasn't KTIS. This wasn't CCM or whatever. And I remember I got rocked where I was just crying and, yeah. and felt the goosebumps and the whole nine and felt like the spirit's presence filling me, gripping me. And don't you think like God is like, hey, I'll use whatever I'll, I choose to use yeah. to reach you and yeah. to talk to you and speak to you as opposed to saying like, well, the only way that we're going to reach people through music is if they happen to tune into 98.5. 
because otherwise you're screwed. <laughs> like, no, yeah. like he might use Taylor Swift or he might use, um, uh, you know, system of a down. Like we have no idea what he's going to use at any given time yeah. uh, to, to, to move you. Yeah. And I mean, you want to talk about how, how I told my life story is that I, I, it's the only thing that's scripted. I mean, we've got your title the you know, that we'll get into here momentarily, yeah. but, um, I wrote out my life story just because I had to get it straight. And and what was great is I utilized my o- older sister where she was like, dude, no, that wasn't 2001. <laughs> that was this. And, and you were doing, and I'm like, oh my goodness. Like in my head, it was backwards. But mm. but I wrote my life story out on on my computer monitor. And um, I would, when I would talk about it, I would just look at those points. Kind of like, not that I'm calling myself a pastor, but like what a pastor does. I mean, yeah. you, you've, you've got a notepad and you've got notes in front of you, but that's how I told my life story. And what I would do is I would listen to to songs from that era or from the, the hits of those years. So not, not just metal. And I had a late nineties, early two thousands rock and metal mix. So it was a lot of like Chevelle and like, you know, those bands that were like, there was such a breakthrough in, in rock music then, which yeah. I'm, I'm grateful for. But one of your favorite bands, if I could put it out there, Coldplay, the song yellow, uh-huh. came on sure. as I was, I was talking about running away mm. and, um, getting arrested and having, having the cops bring me to the woman shelter where my mom is at. And this, I called it the duel of the fates. And it really was, I yeah. mean, um, between my mom and I, where it, I just had to let her know, like, it, and this was my mentality back then, different person now. And I, I, respect and honor my mom so much Absolutely. but I, I told her i was like you screwed up and i have to pay the price for it mm-hmm. you know and i remember i remember telling her that and that that's how angry i was for her and you know yellow by Coldplay starts and dude the holy spirit was uprooting all these things that i had no idea how far down i suppressed them mm-hmm. i had no idea it was like it was like a gold-plated shovel digging deep in my heart and and just breaking through all these roots and all these things that that's I good. thought were removed. Jeff. And I kid you not, I listened to that song probably eight times that night, just bawling my eyes out. Just, wow. Wow. Just a, a snotty, drooling, just, just, just deep. Just disgusting. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. It, didn't, it didn't matter at all. <laughs> no, it didn't. Because, and I remember the next day I told my wife, I was just like, I was like, I don't know what happened to me last night. I said, but I said, I said, it had to have been the Holy Spirit. Because I said, I was thinking of, when I ran away and all these things between my mom and I, and I was just like, I was crying so much to one song. And so she was like, which song? And so she was thinking like, you know, was it Metallica or was it one of like, you know, the, sure. the new metal and you metal, you know, that yeah. you love so home much. Home Sweet Eric. Home, Motley Crue. <laughs> anyway, yeah. My Mom Coming Home, Ozzy Osbourne. That's another one that oh, kind of sure. gets me like that. Um, But I told her, I was like, no, it was Coldplay Yellow. And she was like, really? Like, she was so confused by it. She's like, really? I was like, I don't know what it was, man. You know, look at the stars. Look how they shine for you. But there's just something about the tone. uh, And and who knows what they were using, man. I don't know if they were using a, uh, this is a guitar pedal that I'm about to say, but I don't know if they were using a big muff or some type of tube screamer, but just that yeah. guitar, that da na 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 Slight bend, right? There's so a it's time, almost dissonant. Na, 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 na. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it yeah. was just, that is just such great, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, groove rock or something. Mm-hmm. But all of that, the the story, you know, the story that he's singing about, his, his way he sings, everything, I was just, like you said, slain. Mm-hmm. And there was so much healing that I thought I thought had taken place. And clearly, (laughs) 
And I don't wow. know if maybe that's how God grows us too, that I, 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 I reach some point of reflection and admiring what I went through. And it's, it sounds so weird to say that, right? I admire that I went through all that pain and caused all this stress to my mom. No, it's just like, man, what a, what a vivid picture you know, that I was seeing in my head as I was remembering those things. And, and to the listeners out there that checked it out, I, I hope it was, I hope it was well detailed because that's good. Boy, was your boy crying. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, those good cries. There's just nothing like them. It's usually what happens. Like when I get moved the most, it's not some kind of weird out there transcendent spiritual experience it's just i weep like a little boy yeah i cry and it's so good it's so good and just um do you mind if i cry now yeah, go, for okay? it, go for it go for it yeah bring right. it i'll bring in some tissues from the other room and uh and we'll, we'll get it all out for yeah, everyone to... tissues in front of me dang it and out there on that coffee table there is there are some by oh, the way so good. okay <laughs> perfect so eric being that um you you've been someone who's who's helped kept me on track with my salvation, with my relationship with God, uh, breaking down the Word, making sure I'm in the Word, um, and I I fall short of that so much. And I know you're not going to yell at me for it, no, but um, no, but um, I reached out to you and I was like, man, I need you to be a, a reoccurring guest. Like they they got to know who you are and and. Awesome. what's on your heart, what's on your mind. And Eric sent in, he replied back three different subjects. And with each subject, he had a little bit of a, and of an explanation with it. And yep. the first one you, I mean, all three of them, you guys, I was in right here in my, we could call this a studio, just jumping up and down like, Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. All of that. All of that. <laughs> and I was like, Hey dude, each one of those is it's, it's going to be its own podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the first one that you sent, I remember just reading it and I was like, this is so Eric. This is so Eric. Nice. And I have it pulled up here. Would you be willing to give the title in and read right. what it was that you sent in? Yeah, absolutely. So I said, to be or not to be evangelical. And uh, evangelical in quotes there. So to be or not to be evangelical, it's almost a dirty word now, but what did it actually mean originally? Should we own it or run from it? In a cultural moment where Kanye West talks Jesus while praising Hitler, and QAnon lures well-meaning and disenchanted Christians to conspiracy land, do we blow up the whole evangelical vernacular and try again? Or can it and the word evangelical still be redeemed? Straight up fire, bro. Oh, man. Take the wheel. Well, um... (laughs) Jesus, take the wheel. Uh, yeah, Th- this has been this has been burning on my heart a lot, and I think, and probably on many hearts. Uh, and you know, it's easy to just go political on it and say, "Yeah, and Donald Trump," like, "And oh yeah, I know what you're talking about, Donald Trump," or what you know, Joe Biden did. Yeah, Joe Biden. Yeah. yeah, and and then and immediately it's just like that's the you know that's the the hot iron or whatever hot iron, uh, <laughs> and. Um, but it's it's even bigger than that, and I think it it speaks to witness, and and this is something that you know I'm trying to trying to work out in my own life. You know, what does it mean to be a witness? What does it mean to be evangelical? And and so I want to start kind of with this: is that be, well, before I go into kind of the history thing about this, 
is one of the things that I think has been so painful over the last four to, well, now probably six to eight years especially, is that this idea of, of what is happening to the, the witness, the, the, the active light or demonstration of what it means to be evangelical and how much that has been just ridiculous and tarnished and run through the mud and asinine and every word you can think of is is how I feel like the evangelical church has been represented, yeah. or that word evangelical has been represented. So I think part of it I think is helpful is to say, like, um, for those who care and those who are either evangelical or those who despise those things that are evangelical and they want to be as distant and far from that as possible, I think it's it's nice to, to, to on a, like a, a podcast like this, to just stop and say, hey, you know what, let's try to figure out a little bit like what that actually means to be evangelical so we can figure out whether we actually want to own it or we just want to run from it like oh, as, yeah, as far as possible. So, um, so I think to start, it's just this, what does it even mean? Because a lot of people, when they think evangelical, they think of a few things. They think of like the obnoxious neighbor or someone who protests a lot or someone who votes Republican or someone who loves Trump, perhaps. Any, any number of things that, that uh, we get typecast as. But so to just back up on it, the word itself is derived from the Greek word euangelion, euangelion, not to be confused with Ewan McGregor, which is totally different. Or I, I think of the anime called, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Aeon Flux? No, not Aeon Flux. Uh, I shouldn't have even said this. Um, it's like, <laughs> don't it's look that like, up, kids. Neon Genesis Evangelion or something like that, where it's about like these massive robots and they're really weird. Oh, like wow. they can they can eat and bleed. <coughs> terrible, terrible mm. sidetrack. Please keep going. The Greek word again? <laughs> yeah, uh, I forgot. No, yeah, Evangelion, and and what that literally means is just it means gospel or good news, good news, gospel. And so the the whole thing behind it is that it's it is um, it is taken from the New Testament thrust of being sent out to proclaim good news about something that is a game changer, like something that I'd kind of liken it to this, where it's like, I'm, I'm a beggar and I go to other beggars and say, I know where the bread is or we're all extra read all about it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Exactly. And uh, yeah. And, and, or, or uh, we're all in a desert together and we're we're super thirsty, and I know where the living water is. Or if you want to put less of a positive, nice spin on it, you want to get a little more more like negative, sort of in a sense, is to say, "There's a storm coming, and I know how to shelter. Mm. I know how to escape the impending event horizon of wrath or wow. storm." Or whatever, so the evangelical thing was supposed to be this thing of like I have good news. Like how, how am I going to keep this to myself? Like that's ridiculous. If I have good, I'd have to be the most self-centered uh, and self-focused, private person to say, yeah, I have this treasure that can benefit you in the most incredible, far-reaching, even eternal sense. But 
I'm, I'm going to keep it to myself because it's making me uncomfortable if I have to tell you about it. Oh. Like to me, it's there's nothing Christian about that. So, so I think what what if we look at the roots of it, the Evangelian, the evangelical thing was always like, we have this good news, and how could I not? Even if it's hard and difficult, how could I not tell you about it? Because it's an absolute game changer, and not only will it bring you, my fellow beggar, bread, it will help you escape the storm that is coming to devastate your family and your house. Like, something like that. And so you had this movement coming out of... Um, I, I, would, I would argue that evangelical goes right back to the first church and first century Palestine with the first disciples. You know, it's like... It's all evangelical. They all are saying, like, good news. Jesus, right before he leaves them, and he's risen, he says, oh, by the way, go and make disciples, baptize in, in the name of the Father and Son, Holy Spirit, and, you know, tell as many people as possible, go to the nations, which is actually coursing through the, the, the remnant of, uh, of uh, uh, the Hebrews in the Old Testament as well. But, but it's actualized in the, in the New Testament church, and so... So it starts a couple thousand years ago, and you could argue even further back. But the actual word came around somewhere, I think, in the 18th century, somewhere in the 1700s. You had groups of Protestants. Protestants are not Catholic, okay, um, where they, the, they were Protestant. They were, they were saying, uh, we don't like the way they do this, do church. We believe some things different doctrinally. It's a big deal. Here we are. So you've got... You've got everybody from the Quakers to the Pietists to the Calvinists to the Arminians to the Methodists to the Anglicans. All of them would share underneath this umbrella of Protestant or, pro, or Protestant, you know, these, these Protestants. And they were, the thrust of who they were and how they lived their lives was this evangelical, missional passion of saying, we have good news, and as a matter of fact, the New Testament is is. Uh, dripping in this thing. It's like saturated in this thing of trying to tell you, if you hear anything from me, please hear this good news. And so that's where evangelical kind of started. So evangelical is not like, oh, there's an evangelical church, and then there's a Presbyterian church, and then there's a Methodist church. No, no, no. It's like there's evangelicalism. It's of something 600 to 700 million evangelicals in the world. It's a big deal. It's a big movement. Now, you have that, and you have this rich history, then, of these people, for better or for worse in their methodology, telling others about the good news. Some of it's effective and leads to great awakenings and all kinds of wonderful things. And some of it is, is, is not good, and, it, and, it, and so on. We, it's imperfect. But the idea is, is that it's not a forced conversion religion, Christianity is is always voluntary. It's always volitional. It's always a love relationship is never coerced. It's never forced, or it's rape. <laughs> yeah. And and we don't deal with a cosmic rapist. We deal with a cosmic, well, maybe not cosmic because that, that has too much baggage. We're dealing with a, a a a transcendent yet personal being who loves us so much that he sends uh, himself, who is also Jesus to be able to, to be the sacrifice for us, to bring us back into this relationship with him. Okay, so, um, so the idea is that Christianity, then, is, is a, a thing where we present this to people, and you do what you want with it. 
and you will present this good news, but we're not going to force you into to this particular relationship because no relationship could be forced, truly. Now what's happened, fast forward into the 21st century, is that evangelical, if a lot of you are sitting there listening, you might say, well, that doesn't sound like anything of what I think about when I think about evangelical. I think about, maybe if you go back a little ways, you might think in the 1980s, Ralph Reed and the Moral Majority, or you think about uh, Billy Graham's son, uh, Franklin Graham. Um, maybe you think of uh, Donald Trump and his getting into bed, or I should say the evangelical church getting into bed with Donald Trump. You know, maybe you think about those particular things, and it leaves a very bad taste in your mouth. I think of, uh, I think of uh, that famous prosperity preacher that was, you know, asking for $60 million for a plane. You know, and mm, then his excuse was, right. you know, and if I find out that there's life on Mars, I'm going to ask for $600 billion so I can go preach the gospel of them too, you know? <laughs> and th- we have the world, we have people who have been hurt by the church. We have friends that have lost their parents in awful ways. We've got people that have, have been hurt so much and they don't trust God. And the one thing that's supposed to remind them that he's here is saying that. You know, the, the, the one thing that is supposed to say, I've got this good news. I've got shelter from the storm. I know where they're making the bread yes. and they're handing it out. That all goes away because they see all these things we just listed yes. off. Yeah, they see that. And, that. and that's what's so interesting to me and a challenge to me as well is to say, what are people seeing? What is being, what's, what's our demonstrable action? You know, you see this about a person. Uh, what are they seeing from the so-called evangelicals? And so I'll just be honest, like, I, I'm deeply evangelical, and I also will never tell you that. <laughs> like, I've gotten to that point where I don't use the word, yeah, because it's so corrupt. And so I, I just try to stay away from that word, but try to live out evangelicalism, you know, as, as shabbily as I do it, if that's a word. But but I try to live it out, and and I don't want to tell people a lot of it because, uh, I mean, I won't don't want to tell them I'm an evangelical because if they'll immediately associate with what has happened in the last six years and the the circus that has been. And Fredo, man, I have you lost any friends over the last four or six years? Oh, because of everything that's happened politically with a- evangelicalism. Absolutely, and I say that. I say that brokenhearted and I say that a little hurt. Um, but yeah. you know, it, it's, it's been mainly people that are like, and if you don't like this, then you can just delete me. And it's just like, let me give you what you want then, mm. you know, cause apparently our friendship or what we've gone through in life or whatever it was, how we know each other and, and how we found each other on social media or when we exchanged phone numbers or email addresses, apparently that's not enough anymore. Right. Because your allegiance is more to political ideology. Um, anyone that's listening to this too, they're they're probably laughing, you know, or or shaking their heads, going, "Man, Alfredo said he wasn't going to talk politics, and that's all they're doing." Whoops. Um, no, <laughs> but the thing is, is 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 with that is I'm never going to tell you what I believe and that you should believe in the same thing. That's right. um, a lot of a lot of the things that have shaped and molded me are exactly what Eric just asked. Who who has deleted you? Who have you lost? Has your social media, you know, numbers, friends, you know, the number of friends you have, has it gone down? Yeah, totally. Yep. And I mean, I've had people 
when they were like, who'd you vote for? And I'll just say, I voted third party. Oh, you just wasted your vote. Thanks a lot. You yeah. know, and what it's, what it's really saying is my guy would have won had you voted for the same thing I wanted you to vote yeah. for. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, I thought wasting a vote meant not going to the voting booth. Exactly. Like, I still put my voice out there and I still checked off or scribbled in what I thought, hey, this is the only thing that's got the least amount of bloodshed on it. Yeah. And you know what I'm saying? <laughs> And it's just it. And, and you asked, you know, what, 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 what has it been or what's gotten us to this point? And I think so much of it is pride, you know, and I think of, um, and the only way that I can break this example down is, is to talk about my, my love for fighter jets. Eric is somebody who has hung out with me and gone to an air show because he knows that like a couple of them, a couple of them. Cause he knows that like, I'm like, I, I could care less about the Super Bowl. <laughs> The Vikings are doing great, which is fun. But yeah. anyways, like there's just, like I didn't get into anything else. So, like that's my thing. That was my dream and that's my passion. And like I think of like a fighter jet and how much I love it, but I also think like when I'm there, there's a part of me that's just like F yeah, America, you know, like America. Oh, look, look at all that power flying up there. <laughs> but I I also have to check myself and think like that power also has a trigger that could drop a bomb. Wow. You know, yes. on a house with an infant. And has. Right. And has. And so I remember years ago, man, I posted just, this is eh, years ago. I posted a picture of my guitar and I posted a picture of an F-22 Raptor, which is the most advanced plane America has. And I was like, man, if my guitar could transform into that, man, in a perfect world. And somebody was like, dude, in a perfect world, we wouldn't need a fighter jet because it'd be no wars. And there was a part of me that's like, okay, yeah, that, that got me. And I was like, yeah, true. But I was just like, Dude, could you just let me have this one and shut up for a second? Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> but um, here comes the rain on your parade. I know, right? And I think of um, back to your question, like, where has the term evangelical gone to? Like, I just think it's this mentality where people are like, "We have to win, we yeah. have to win." Yeah. And I think there's such a a com there's such a combatic, if that's a word. <laughs> I was gonna say combastic, but That'd be a great band name Com- combatic with a k combatic yeah. <laughs> oh anyways um th- th- there's such a uh a desire to spill blood Ooh. you know where it's just like i'm gonna go for the throat you don't believe in what i believe in or you posted this thing that i know i could go and stomp all over i'm gonna yes and and that's just it is is i thought victory was in Jesus enduring death and overcoming it. But apparently I'm wrong, Eric, because what it is, it's in a flag and an AR 15 or whatever the dispute is, or however the one side sees the other, right? It's in these things where we think we have to go and make war, like physically like, Oh, here come the Holy Wars again, because that's what the evangelical church, that's how much I'm not going to say bullies, but like that's how much we've, puffed our chest up and, and, and have said like, we're going to do this and we're going to do this in the name of God. And everyone else is going, if that's what, if that's what Christianity or anything on that side of God is, I'm going to be as far from it as I can. And it turns us into that. As Paul said, I think in first Corinthians 13, of course, he says that we're, um, a banging gong or a clanging symbol. If it's not, if it's not done in love, you can do all these amazing things, and you can have this influence, and you can have this great political power, and you can uh, increase your church membership, all that stuff, whatever. But if it's not done in love, it's it's a loud, 
noisy gong of nothing. It's not, it's not helping anything. Um, and something I was saying, I thought about this. I remember back when I was lived in Arizona for a few years and went to a, a good church out there, liked it a lot, like this particular family too a lot. But I was sitting at a table, we we're at this like church gathering party thing. And this one guy that I had a lot of respect for, getting to know him, older guy, he started talking about Obama at the time, because this is, goes back into 2008-ish, 2009. Obama just gotten elected. When he talked about Obama, it went far beyond any kind of like vitriol that he could throw at the devil. Oh, like it no. went far beyond like, you know, uh, there's a crisis happening in people's lives and people are being held down, oppressed and hurt by by the sin of the world and the sin in their own lives where it was, it was like a, it went way beyond that when he started talking about Obama and I saw the look in his face and his eyes and everything. And he got so passionate about how much he couldn't stand this guy. That's what blows my mind because what happens is that that's what happens today. You had mentioned like desire to spill blood and we have to win. And it's like, Whoa, yeah. That's so much of what it is. They feel like what's hanging in the balance is, well, what's going to become of our culture? If we don't fight like this and we don't legislate the, the blankety-blank out of this, then we're in trouble. Like, something is hanging in the balance. Yeah. And, and by the way, like, I get it. Like, I got a couple kids, and there's some crazy stuff going on with what they're trying to pass and the, the the stuff going on with the confusion about identity and all that it's it is absolute bananas and and we deal with it on, on another level with the schools that my boys are going to right now it's some crazy stuff so believe me i get fired up but if that fired upness about culture transcends my passion to try to love people the best possible way with the good news then uh uh, then I'm a noisy gong. And I can tell you this about noisy gongs, not you, but yes. what I can tell you, I work at a school. Yeah. And so what I see versus what I hear, like a very, I'm going to use the word paranoid and whether they like it or not, but what I hear a very paranoid conservative say like, oh, and they're doing this in schools. Like, I'm, I just want to say like, bull, dude, I'm in there, mm. you know? Somebody told my wife, like, they're having litter boxes in schools because kids are identifying as cats. Where did that come from? I, I can tell you this. It's weird. Uh, I, I, yeah, um, it was, it's possible, I guess, but it's just I'm sure, like... I'm sure a school or so, you know, but <laughs> I, what I can tell you this, I hear the kids say the Pledge of Allegiance every day. They say it in Spanish. So when I hear people be like, they can't even say the Pledge of Allegiance. Wrong. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. They, they have litter boxes in school. No, because you know what? I patrol every boys bathroom in the school that I work at and they don't have litter boxes in them. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, and, and the thing is, is like when I try to tell somebody who's, who's yelling that, and I'm going to say the word yell, they'll be like, well, if I'm wrong, I still know I'm right because it's going to happen. It's just like, or maybe what you think is actually happening. There's just a, a, an inclining a tiny bit. And it's really, whether you want to say a little bit of poison is still poison and I'm not calling it poison. But what I'm saying is, is, you know, Christianity is not called to win. The last time I checked, 
I, I like my faith is to be tested and I'm, I'm to not deny my savior, which I won't. But when I'm in, the, when I'm in a public education building and I see the things that people would consider like, Oh my gosh, like, like my daughter's class, they wanted to watch a, a movie right before holiday break. Yes. And the kids were like, can we watch a Christmas movie? And the teacher was like, unfortunately we can't. No, that makes can't. sense to me. But apparently to the far right, that's, they robbed us of our rights to be Christians because mm. you didn't watch them. They couldn't watch a movie called Christmas. Like, no, like that to me, like there are things that like, I'm just like, yeah, like that's going to happen. You know, like it is going to happen. I, you know, and I'm not trying to sound like a doomsday preacher by any means no, too. like when I say that, well, and there's some stuff that's just doom in the Bible. <laughs> it's hard to get around that. Like there's just some stuff where, when, you know, Paul says it's going to, by the way, it's going to get, go from bad to worse. Okay, so he was telling us that 2,000 years ago, and Peter said, oh, by the way, Scripture's being fulfilled, it's the end times, which means that we're in the end of the end times, most likely right now. Excuse me. There's probably, like, a legitimate case to be made that, yeah, there's a lot of doom, but but can we escape the doom? I want to go back to something you were saying, too, about the school thing, but I was thinking about this, too. When God had his chosen people, the, the big, you know, thing that they commemorated that essentially kicked off the calendar for the Hebrews was Passover. And Passover was that thing of saying, I'm going to send my spirit and it's kill the firstborn of everything. My, my, my favorite Metallica song, Creeping Death. Oh, there you but, go. So, but, yeah. so Passover, it's because... It was passing over them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Angel of death, man. Yeah. yeah. Creeping death. And so the whole thing is, is like, put the blood over your door. It's important you do this because you're now saying, like, who you belong to, and, and I, will, I will spare you. So it's kind of like this thing of saying, um, uh, I don't know where I was even going with that, but it's probably important that I say that, but the, the Passover thing. Um, but anyway, so... It's a it's a it's a big deal um, that that we understand kind of the the part of the nature of, of why we have the good news and what we're trying to spare people of is that okay this is a really big deal and um, but anyway so I, and and it could be because you thought of the Passover to say like there are things that we do stand up for mm-hmm. there are things that we we will put the blood over our door and say hey this is where my house lies at mm-hmm. but like my wife and I we also have an understanding of the world we're in. And it's not like God would allow us to have children to be like, ah, ha, ha, and you were all born in the wrong time, you know, and like right. suffer. No, because we've still seen such like goodness and, and, and we've seen miracles and we've had our kids healed from, from crazy things. You, you've, you've messaged me like, bro, bro, my kids need prayer. Like we're all sick, yeah. dude, we need this. Hey, we're going to go on a trip. Can you intercede for us? Like there, there's still all those things. And you've come back from tri- trips and you've told me like wonderful stories. So yeah. it's just like, I know like, cool. Like, like God still has our back. He does. Okay. Now. Yeah. And, and with that, I remember what I was going to say is that Passover is so hardcore and Paul then takes that into, and Peter, and into the New Testament, the New Testament church, and says, it's a really big deal that you you be counted as one of the, the children of God, the chosen, brought into this family, because there are 
wonderful, incredible, far-reaching benefits to that. You experience love and grace and forgiveness for your sins and all this sort of thing. So the idea that things can get really, really bad, and that's what it was, it was doom, and is to say that, yeah, there is doom in the Bible, but there's always a, a redemption offered it's never just it's doomed for doom's sake, and you know because that, that's nihilism. You know that's not Christianity. And you know, okay, so things are going to get worse, and we should all be depressed. No, it's like no, things are going to get worse. Yep, sorry, we're going to be really sober about this, but there's good news. There's a way to escape that. There's a way to be to find redemption. There's a way to cle- cleanse your conscience about how you feel. There's a way to be forgiven, and so. And I think what that that makes the good news that much gooder. <laughs> it makes it that much better. Yeah. Because it's actually the good news is not just like, oh, there's good news. There's a God who loves you and he wants to give you a hug. Like it's like, no, you need something. You need to be saved from something. There's a malady, there's an illness, there's a sickness, there's a <clears throat> there's something that we need rescue from. Oh, yeah. And, and we if, have good news. And if, if I can, I mean, I think of the peak of being a drug addict. I think of being high on meth for two or three weeks on end. I mean, reality is, is that it was probably four or five days and then it was probably like a two week hangover, but struggling Still. to sleep in those two weeks, I, I'm wrapping it all up. But I think of, I think of how the world's changed from, 2003 to now and some people would say it's gotten worse and some people will say it's gotten better yeah but had i not had the good news of the gospel had i not had breakthrough and freedom through the holy spirit like that drug use would have killed me between now and then probably a lot sooner to then than now yeah but i'm still glad that in 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 a world where like you said it's doom and i just think of you know, dun, 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 dun. you know, it's thinking of that part in Creeping Death where yes. it's the, the angel, you know, so I, that's how I see it, like when I see it. But yeah, the the hardcore doom, you know, uh, you know, death, you know, and you think and you think like, oh, man, infants or, or you know, f- you know, firstborns that were lost. Pretty crazy because we're both dads. And I know there's a lot of parents that listen to this. And, and if not, I know there's people that, you know, are listening to this and have made a choice not to have kids. Yeah. But the, the think of the, the worst thing to lose. And, and that's what happened Gosh. during the Passover. Um, pretty, pretty intense. And I think of what's happened in my life from now to then, nothing as intense, but I have seen such great things since like holding, like holding both of my kids when they were born, you know, or just, the simple little things like my kids have told me that mean the world to me Mm -hmm. where I'm just like, yeah, you know what? There's doom and gloom out there, but you know what? Like I still got it so good. That's right. (laughs) You know, even on, even on those days where we're broke or, you know, we barely made bills or whatever, you know, whatever it is, you know, I mean, we could do a whole, you could do a whole podcast on gratitude, right? Right. And being, Oh man, it just opens up so many things. You know, I think something I was thinking of what you were saying I disagree with you a little bit about the school thing, not because I have an insight that you don't. You have actually more insight on that than I do because you're working in it. You're you're in it every day. But I feel like it is getting worse, and at least in our, in our 
neck of the woods where we are with some of the schools and some of the things that they're they're doing. And it, I expect it to get worse in terms of the the pushing out of of some of the the values that we're used to and some of the things regarding Christianity, which, um, but it's just so it's a small pushback on that that maybe I I disagree with that. But I would say, and I think we're on the same page with this. You can tell me. It doesn't really matter that much, and the <laughs> no. reason why is because even though I get like my undies in a bunch about it, I still am like at the end of the day, like we should become more increasingly alien to what's happening in our culture. Like we should feel less at home, in my humble opinion, as things get get worse or go on. I shouldn't be looking for my comfort in the culture. That's what the danger is about fighting for Christian culture, of fighting to convert the culture to Christianity. Yeah. If you do that, what what distinct voice do you have? No kidding. All you're doing is you're playing the same game. You're trying to legislate the kingdom of God. Bueno suerte. Like, that's not going to work. Yeah. Good luck. Like, And if you play that game, then all you're going to be doing is tit for tat uh, back and forth. So, so while I might disagree and say, oh, I think it is getting a lot worse in the schools, but at the same time, I'm like, but that's not our battleground, right? Yeah. No, I mean, well, I mean, it depends on what your career is. <laughs> if you're I a school suppose. counselor, uh, okay. you know, then, okay. then it could be, but no. And, and, you know, disagree with me, man, all you want. <laughs> like, uh, it, it, it's not like you're going to be, you know, <laughs> just one less, one less phone number on my contact list. <laughs> no, um, you could un- it, unfriend me if I was on Facebook. I know. Right. No. And, and, and what I mean by that too, just, just so we can, you know, and at least that subject, if you want, yes. is, is to say like, it's not as, it, it's not as vivid as a picture as what I've heard people like yelling about. Sure. And do I know, do I know we're, we're on a path that, that differs from Christianity being in schools and th- things like that? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, so we can agree on that. But like I said, is it as crazy as like some Fox News loving, you know, <laughs> gun loving person is, is screaming to me about? Dude, Fox is fair and balanced. And so you better watch it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's oh, funny. That yeah. But see, now people are going to think like, they both love CNN. Yeah, no. And that's the whole problem here. Anyways. Yeah, and no, I don't. <laughs> Not at all. I don't even, I tried even AP news because I was like, AP, this is where you, this is where like CNN, all this, they get it from like AP wire, right? Associated press. So this is going to be unbiased. Even AP's biased, like in a lot of ways. So I don't know where to go to. You know, you can't, I don't know. It's crazy. I don't know. I have to, I have to just kind of listen to a little bit of everything and just Smart. like in my core be like, hmm, okay, here's, here's, here's what I'm getting out of all of this. But yep. like I said, I mean, the problem is, is that I could tell somebody like, no, like every single bathroom where I work at, there's not a litter box and I'm still wrong. You know, like, <laughs> well, there's gotta be, you just wait and you're going to yeah. be wrong and you'll know in the end. Yeah. I mean, I also think of, this is a little bit of a different subject, but like, I think of, you know, going back to our topic to be or not to be evangelical. Like I think of a, you came back from Arizona one winter and we were watching the Super Bowl. Yes. It was at uh, our, our, our friend McGinnis's apartment. They had a, the big, I don't know, rent party a room. party room. And I forgot, I don't know. It was probably this, what Saints and Cardinal. I don't know. I don't watch football. It was one sports team against another sports team. Saints and Broncos. Bron- I think. Was it? Okay. Yeah. 
And um, we just had people being like... Saints and Colts. Saints and Colts. Sorry. Go go ahead. Okay. You you know, not me. But anyways, the point I'm trying to say is we had people being like, I know the the Colts are going to win because the Holy Spirit's telling me. And it's just like, okay. Yeah, we've got fanaticals like Kanye West making Christianity look terrible. We've got... We've got a president who we had a president. We've got a we've got a president is a different topic because <laughs> but we had a president that, you know. History and greed and and from what I saw, and it's crazy how people tell me like, well, you're delusional, but I saw racism get crazier while Trump was in office. Absolutely. And and, and am I going to have somebody say, you know, everything's through the eye of the beholder and I only saw things that way? That's great. But. There's a lot you're also choosing not to see then. That's yep. what I'm going to say to that. Yes. But we've got people out in the world that claim they're Christians that make it look terrible. Pastors that, you know, cheat, steal, rape, everything that I disagree with, right? But Christians also need to stop making Christians look stupid because yes. that is a pretty common thing too. You know, and I just, you know, and like I said, I I had someone trying to argue with me, you know, of what the outcome of a football game was going to be because quote unquote, they were evangelical and the Holy Spirit was speaking to them, Oh, you know, and I'm just like, that's dangerous, man. And it starts to get into like divination and all kinds of stuff that the actual, the Bible warns against anyway. That's really weird. Like there's those movements in evangelicalism too that are very close to this um, wanting to tell the future, sort of uh, look into a crystal ball, have your palm read, stuff that you would never associate with Christianity or evangelicalism, but it they they share some common stuff there. In it, you know, I think that's what we need to be aware of is that. We can be prone to certain things, and they can lure us off away from what it is, the message that we're trying to get across, the good news that we're trying to spread. So whether it gets into some of kind of the, the some of the weird, um, uh, you know, spirit, pseudo spiritual stuff, or or kind of new agey stuff that sometimes evangelicals can get lured into, like gemstone manifestation, all kinds of stuff. And there's only probably 1% of anybody that knows what I'm talking about this listening right now, but they might. Like wafers or feathers showing up. or Feathers like- showing up, like, uh, the manif- uh, you know, oh, what is it, um, mana manifesting, you know, which yeah. we had a debacle at our church one time where the, the people that were the mana people... Not going to name names or church or whatever, but you know they basically what happened was is it was they they said manna was manifesting in their Bible and then they brought it to a service and they handed it out to people and there's a lot of people that were like you know hook line and sinker I'm eating the manna of God you know and if it is that's great I mean I'm all for it if God chooses to do that He can do whatever He wants yeah but it, they were actually broken up saltine crackers oh, and man. you could see the salt crystals on them and so we had to have a talk about that it was kind of a big deal. Same situation, but I also think of like early 2000s taking photos and people would be like, look at all the orbs, yeah, orbs. orbs. And I'm like, or we had really crappy cameras back then when the digital camera era was starting. Yeah. And, you know, you were in a very dirty place with, you know, a lot of, a lot of dirt in the air and boom, you know, there's your orb. <laughs> yeah. And, and what's interesting, man, is for those who are listening, you're talking to two guys that really believe in the spiritual realm. 
Amen. Like, we've had some. St- we could you and I could do a show just on this where we got we've had some experiences. Like I had some stuff like happen that are was out there and creepy and weird and that that is inexplicable. You can t- take your most skeptic view at it, and you couldn't really say anything other than something happened here. Yeah. But then you have these <laughs> these people, some of which are really good people, that will do that will say, you know, like a feather from your coat that is about a millimeter long is floating in the air, and they're like, "Angels, we are surrounded by," you know, it's like, and and we manifestation, like you know, like they're just. Uh, and like, hey, <clears throat> like that might not be helpful because <laughs> then, then it becomes this really ridiculous circus. And the more that that becomes, there's a look, there's First Corinthians 14. If you're interested, you guys can look it up. But, you know, Paul is talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And Paul says, hey, prophecy is a real thing. Hey, speaking in tongues, it's a real thing. But if you come in, and you're someone speaking in tongues, an outsider's going to come in, and you're going to look crazy to them. Like That's what Paul says. Back in the first century, Paul said, you're going to look like an absolute nutball. So someone needs to translate what is going on to make it even edifying for people so that prophecy and speaking in tongues actually has a purpose. He has a whole chapter devoted to crazy. Yeah. Like to say, hey, rein in the crazy, put some order to the chaos, or we look like idiots. And it's not about pride, like, oh, I don't want to look like an idiot. He's just saying, like, you're, you're polluting the message that we're trying to get across, and there's no time for that. You might only see this person one time in your life, and all of a sudden you look, you know, you look t- crazy to them. They're not going to take it seriously. And, 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 uh, and I, I, think of, I think of our enemy, you know, who's out there to steal, kill, and destroy, but it's just like, what, what greater prey to prey on than the morons attacking themselves. <laughs> I'm sorry to say it that way, you know, but like, oh yeah, it's. I mean, uh, think of like Lord of the Rings, the right? War of the Morons. Yeah, no kidding. Like Lord of the Rings, you think of when the hobbits were captured, and this is, I think, the second one, the Two Towers, the movie, not for the fans that are like, it wasn't like that in the books. <laughs> but like, you think of when they're ca- the, the hobbits were captured by the orcs. They think they have the hobbits that are carrying the ring. They don't. They have the other two. Yeah. Um. And the orcs and the and the the orcs and the goblins literally fight over how they're going to eat them. Mm. That it, it it's such a, a stupid night like Tom and Jerry fight between those two that are supposed to be on the same those two sets of enemies that are supposed to be on the same side that the two hobbits are able to like crawl away. Ah, you know what I'm saying? Right. It's just like and and, and sure. we wind up we wind up doing that too. And it's I just I just. For anyone out there that doesn't believe, like, know, <laughs> know that there is a majority of Christians out there that don't want to be a part of that. Because yeah. when we talk about, you know, to be or not to be, and when we talk about how the world sees a Christian or, you know, an evangelical, like, we just look like idiots. And and once again, I'm not trying to just sit here and 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 poop all over Christianity and, and this woe is me kind of thing. But like, it's a calling, like the, the, the whole point of this, the po- whole point of Eric coming up with this subject is, is to say like, okay, do we own it or do we, you know, or do we run away from, from it? I don't know. Is, is there a part in there where it's like, we can reclaim it like a clean slate from like what everyone's been seeing the past 15, 20 years. Cause I don't want to be a part of that. 
can we reclaim it? It's so interesting. You know, it's like when a word gets gets so it almost takes on a different meaning and and a different definition after a while. You know, like even you know, certain words just do that. Is the word gay, right? The word gay for however many hundreds of years or whatever it was didn't mean gay today. Yeah. You know, that's why you have, you know, the Christmas songs that talk about, you know, being happy and gay. Queer didn't mean what it meant 30, 40 years ago. That's, that's all changed, shifted. Now queer means something completely different. I don't obviously pick those two words just because those are more like, you know, lightning rod of like, whoa, that, that word, oh my gosh, really? That has a different meaning. A lot of you know that. But it's the same thing with words go through uh, almost a metamorphosis. They go through... Uh, you know, a shed, shedding of the skin or, you know, yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so evangelical now, can we ever come back from what Trump did? And I, I don't want to give this guy too much credit or too much uh, spotlight on my podcast. And I'm saying that ooh, I'm not saying that. For yeah, you, yeah. No, yeah. I understand. <laughs> I, there's a great, there's a great quote by a, a worship guy named Jason Upton that some of you might remember. And he said, Trump doesn't read the, Donald Trump doesn't read the Bible because Donald Trump is not in the Bible. <laughs> and I kind of like that because that kind of summed it up in a lot of ways with, with what my thoughts were on Trump. Because it's not so much that people can't be like, hey, Eric, uh, Fredo, I, I voted for Trump because uh, it was the, the, in my eyes, he was less of two evils, lesser of two evils. And it was important that, we, for our legislation, that he was the guy that was going to be put in into power, whatever. It's another thing to go the next step over that a lot of evangelicals go, where they were busy trying to defend him or celebrate him, even. Yeah, that's what you get into. And anybody who knows who's over age thirty or so remembers that who Donald Trump is. <laughs> you kind of grew up. You know, I, I grew up watching this guy um, and you see him in the news and you saw all his wives and you saw all of his business dealings and you saw that he had Trump ties and he puts on gigantic Trump letters on his buildings and everything. It was all about him. Trump was kind of like the cautionary tale that Solomon warned us about in Proverbs. You know, he was like the, the, he's, he's, he's the negative object lesson of the guy that you don't want to become. Yeah. And suddenly what happened was this, he became the Barabbas for the church, where we'll take that hideous uh, guy who is in prison that shouldn't be out right now and make him our spokesman because he's going to kick everybody's ass on our behalf. Yay! Yay! And then and it's like, what did you just trade for that bowl of stew? Yeah. Like, you just brought on his baggage and reputation and his incendiary tongue and everything else— and you now coupled it with evangelicalism, you know, like, you know, the, the outlandish figure of, of 81% or whatever of evangelicals voted for Trump. or That spread like wildfire, and suddenly people were able to say, oh, that's what you guys are about. You want political power. You, you, you'll take anybody who... Uh, can swing the sword and kick some tail and all that and make him your guy so long as you get your legislation passed 
and you don't care how dirty you get your hands in in the process. And that is what grieves me so much. Doesn't I have good friends who have voted for Trump, and I still love them, and I hope they love me, and it isn't, and people have their reasons. But it's a different thing to stay with the guy and celebrate the guy and defend the guy. Uh, then it just becomes, well, now your witness is tarnished. Yeah. Great way of saying it, man. And then we sold our soul in some ways. But here's, here's something to think about, too, with it. This is another part of when we're talking kind of like the, the etymology of the word and where did the evangelical come from. Every time the church gets in bed with power, we lose our witness. Every mm-hmm. time, when, when Constantine came around and made uh, uh, Christianity a, a state-sanctioned religion, the religion of Rome, everything changed. Like, we got into some trouble. It doesn't mean, like, Christianity went away. We had built up from a group of 12 people, and more than that, but the 12 kind of core people that were the disciples, and they end up dying for the faith, and it spreads like wildfire, mustard seed stuff all over the place, and Christianity gets into 8, 9, 10, 11 million people by dying in underground churches, in... uh, they were kind of the, the, the remnant, the exodus continued on into the New Testament. They were the oppressed group. And all of a sudden, and, and the Romans were doing it, along with other ones. And then all of a sudden, Rome says, you know what? We've come around, and Christianity is, we're going to put in our shields. We're going to say, we're going to win in the name of God. We're going to do all this sort of thing. Then power starts to corrupt, so fast forward now from Constantine into the church of today, if we play power games and say the way we're going to spread the kingdom and, and, and pass our legislation and our policies and whatever else, that's the way we're going to do kingdom, that's where we're going to do Christianity, you're playing the same game they played in Constantine's era and in the Middle Ages and when there's corrupt everything from popes to, to everything imaginable— we're playing power games, and Christianity has always been uh, one of those churches. Or it's it's a movement that's based on dying for someone, not dying in the sense of die, throwing, you know, flying something into a building or or killing a bunch of people with with a, a bomb strapped to you. It's a sense of dying to yourself to lift somebody else up. It's a power under, it's not a power over. So imagine now the evangelical church saying, we want power. Yeah. We want influence. We want a guy like Trump or whatever other monkey you can put in there to, to be able to pass our legislation and to get things done. And I like he says what's on his mind, and that's what I love about him. You're playing the same game. It's fine. You could do that all day. You're just not Christian. I mean, you might be Christian, I can't judge that, but you're not distinctly Christ, little Christ, Christ follower type of stuff, because the language of Christ was always like, I'm going to paradoxically die so that you can live. Yeah. And and, and feel free to keep <clears throat> talking, you know, the influence that politics has 
in Christianity. That's okay. I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna use the say the word voting, but that'll be the last time, at least in this podcast, that I'll want to talk about politics. But when I think I of, respect that, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, when I think of when I think of a, a someone who says that they're in evangelical Christian that that they go to church X amount of times a year, that they pray, all those things, right? Like if there's a survey done, and then they go and vote for something like that, that they're kind of I'm gonna. I'm going to use the word swayed, but we're talking about the good. We're talking about like a farmer, you know, out in somewhere in the Midwest who is a good person, who's a hard worker, who's raised a good family and says, okay, I have to vote for this, for this political ideal or or person because it's what's going to benefit me and, and my kin and, and people like me the most. Is there a, like, are there anyone like is are there any of those people that go out there and will go home and say like lord like it's in your hands right like lord whether it's supposed to be or not it's your will because we we pray that so much right like your will be done your will be done but then you get 8 years of a president you don't like and we sit there going like how could this have happened like dude did you not just pray yeah lord your will be done you know, and wow. then we, we, we sit and we act like that wasn't supposed to happen. Yeah. I think of a story that a friend of mine told me after um, Obama won and it was a bunch of pe- a bunch of other adults at his church where they were like, well, we're going to, we're going to go pray about the results. And he was like, Hey, the results are over. Like our guy lost. Yeah. We're going to go repent. And it's just like, uh, Right, right. Like, 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 kind of like, almost a little like too judgment, uh, almost. Well, like, yeah, like they didn't do it. I don't know if it wasn't because they they didn't do enough or because the wrong person won. Like, we have to re- like repent and intercede for our country now. Like, and and we get like that. And I'm like, or what if what if you went and and voted for what you believe in your core, right? But at the end of the day, it stays there. And you go back in the world as a witness and as a, as a believer. Yes. And I just feel like, I hope that it happens. And I, and, and I, I would love for anyone to write in and say, yeah, hey, that's me. And and remember guys, you can write in. Um, I, I love reading everything, whether you reach out to me personally, Instagram, Facebook, uh, email, this is where I'm at podcast at gmail.com. Um, let, let us know. Um, but I feel like, the answer to your question, I feel like I have one. And I said it earlier is like, can it be redeemed? Like I want to reclaim it. And I, and, and not that I'm going to start it over and I'm going to do it right. But I I definitely want, uh, I want it done right. Yeah. That's my, I guess that's kind of my answer. Uh, How about you? I mean, like what's, what's your conclusion in it? Cause you came up with that, that to be or not to be evangelical. And I loved it. I feel, yeah, I appreciate it. I I think that, I I like I like the word reclaim, and I think that you know it's more like well if we reclaim it, what what is it that we're going to be known for? You're reclaiming it, you're owning it in some sense. Okay, so then what will you do with it? If I've reclaimed this and I own it, what will I be known for? What will it? And I I think that's a big thing because I, one of the things I'll put out there is that. Are we known by more of what we hate than what we love? Wow. 
Are we known? Um, are we known by our legislation, or are we known by our love? Are we known by our vitriol for the other side, or are we known by what we love? Now, as part of the Bible has language where it says, "Hate what is evil." So the Bible is not afraid to say, you know, there's certain things to hate. Never a human being, but you can hate the devil. <laughs> it's probably a good idea. You can hate evil. Yeah, you definitely should hate evil. So it doesn't have a problem with with hate when it's understood well and applied well and all that. And 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 you guys, like we we've clearly we, we use politics as the insert for at least what Eric and I feel has really eschewed the evangelical church. There's there's plenty of other things, okay? I mean, there's corrupt pastors, there's money. I mean, we could you and I could have a whole podcast session on just prosperity preaching. Yep. And and I, I'm not for it, but um we used politics mainly as one because you guys it's the most relevant thing and it's it's what's firsthand out there. I mean, like when when Kanye West was on Alex Jones, I mean, my phone was blowing up. Oh man. And and it's not even like from news sources that like I follow or anything like that. It was just so like so many people, so many people on Facebook were Posting on, on the reels and, and posting it and just being like, what a wacko, look at these idiots, like things like that, you know, and and it's it's because it, it really is something that's been driven into us, whether we like it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, this conversation of to be evangelical or not, I mean, it can fit into so many aspects. I mean, is the church out there? helping the drug addicts on the street is the church out there opening its doors for the homeless. You know, we think of, um, what's the squinty eye guy down in Texas had the big football stadium turned into Joel Osteen, Joel Osteen. Like when it flooded, you know, he didn't want, you know, when, when there was all the floods in Texas, he didn't want to open his doors for people to come in there because they had nice carpet. That was rough. Yeah. I mean, so it's not just politics and, and, and Christianity that we're driving here. Everyone it's, is the church doing what it's, it's supposed to, or is it time to hold the power button down for 10 seconds and start this thing over again? Because, I mean, like I said, uh, from some of the things I've seen, I mean, I, 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 I could have the, the one in a million success story of when I went to youth group and my youth pastor said all the right things that, that hooked me. And my mom always raised me with a good understanding and a healthy knowledge of, of God and, and a heavenly father and his love for us and things like that. So even in, even in, in my darkest days, and I think of the mega death song, uh, my darkest hour, yeah, in my darkest hour. Yes. Um, I, I, in, in those darkest moments of my life, like I never gave God the middle finger because I always knew like, I'm so glad that he's there in case I have to come, you know, I have to be that prodigal son wow. and not that I wanted to take advantage of that, but I'm so thankful for that. For sure. And, is 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 the church going to embody that you can come to me for anything cuz are there, are there small little lutheran churches out there that i'm sure you know will open their doors up or you know have have a food drive or you know are are there big churches out there that aren't all about the money and are you know digging wells in africa and those things yes. like that yeah i'm uh, i'm sure absolutely um but what's being portrayed in the public and how are we being you know portrayed is the whole subject here. And if anyone's been hurt by the church or if anyone feels that they want nothing to do with this, like know that you're not alone because it's not a matter of like, I question it or you question it, but it's a matter of challenging it. Okay. Yep. 
Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And you challenge those things that you love, right? I think that's, that's part of it is to say, you know, there's a, there's a, a verse that says judgment begins with the church. So Paul says, it says, well, I care very little about <laughs> what's happening outside of the church in terms of judging the people who are, you know, um, are sinning against the church or hurting the church. Or, like, he, he basically just makes a distinction that says, yeah, I could go and point fingers all day long at people who are outside the church, but yeah, I've, I was them. I understand it. I've, I was lost, but now I'm found. So now what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to try to bring health to the body of Christ to, to help us be healthy. So when he says judgment begins with the church, he's like critiquing begins with the church where we... we look at each other and ourselves and say, what are we doing here? What's our witness to the world? You know, how can we, as you said, be that place that people can come to? How can you be salt and light? Salt is supposed to make things taste better, and it's also supposed to preserve something. But if we leave a bad taste in people's mouths, it's questionable whether it's salt. <laughs> you know, it's something else. And... um and and it's like so that's kind of one of my pleas. One of the reasons I was excited about coming on your podcast is because, uh, Fredo, you're one of these guys that has been able to balance out both the views on either side type of thing, and you've been able to to see things clearly and to speak speak to both those sides. You can hang with, with people on both sides of the aisle of any particular issue and see some commonalities and bring some things together. That's very meaningful to me, and it's very Christ. And I want more of that sort of thing with with myself and with people. You think of even like uh, Jesus had in his crew, <laughs> you know, he had um, a tax collector as one of his disciples, he had fishermen as some of his disciples. Prob- he had a, a z- religious zealot as one of his disciples. He had a big mix of guys that were probably fiercely political, that would be way right-wing or way left-wing, depending on the cat, depending on which guy we're talking about. <clears throat> I, think Jesus I, said, I think of the thief on the cross, too, you know, where it's like yeah. even while he was dying, he was like, dude, you can come with me. You know, yeah. you're, 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 you've, you've put your heart out there, literally, almost probably physically, yep. if we talk about what crucifixion really was and, and how it was done. But I'll let you keep going. I'm sorry. Well, I just think that it's, it is one of those things where Jesus was not concerned about their politics. He was concerned about their heart. Yes. And he was always saying, like, hey, let's be known by this. And, and, and you know, like, there's... We can have a political conversation. I'm not apolitical, like some guys like Greg Boyd and some other ones that that have that you know I have respect for in various ways. They're very much like, hey, if you're Christian, you should stay out about about 99% of that. But I don't think that needs to be the case. I just think that what are you ultimately known by? Do we just bark on our social media posts and and then separate ourselves from everybody else where you're just no good to anybody? Yeah. <clears throat> and I think that's a, that's that's critical to to reclaiming, as you said, reclaiming the word evangelical. If we're going to reclaim it, well, what are we reclaiming? What do we want to know, be known by and known for? I think of I think of um, 
Well, so first off, thank you for those kind words and for that affirmation, man. That means a lot yeah. coming from you. And I mean that, um, you know, as, as someone, you know, uh, who's watched me grow up and I'm going to say that cause I mean, I, I moved down to the cities right as I was turning 21. So I was still young and stupid and had a lot of growing up to do a yeah. lot of growing up to do. Mm. Um, and not just mature wise, but in my spirit, you know, and I think of just some of the dumb things I would say on social media back then, you know, like, and I, I know I mentioned that I wouldn't talk about politics anymore and I won't, but like, I just think of like some of the things that I just thought were cool or would make me sound tough or, you know, that I have this rugged exterior and the more I desired to grow in God and the more I'd pray, Lord, change me, change my thinking habits, change my heart. I want to be a man after your own heart. <clears throat> yes. The more I think of that, the more, the more I sought that out, the more that I was just like, I can't, I can't be a part of the things that I'm told I'm supposed to be a part of. Mm. And it, it sucks because it's, not to sound narcissistic, but like it's it's such a lose lose situation because I, I you, you know you you gave me that awesome compliment, but I mean there are, there's probably a hundred people out there that'd be like oh Fredo's become a coward or you know Fredo Fredo sounds more you know this or that you know and and yeah have your opinion you know and and and, and, and like you mentioned you know how many people have you lost kind of a thing how many friends have you lost like you know I, I not that I'm better off. Because I, I hope them, I hope them well, and I pray that you know they they find happiness and they find salvation for their soul, and, and they find whatever it is they're looking for. But um, if I'm going to keep growing, like I'm not going to be in the same place. Yeah, that's the whole. That's the name of the podcast. This is where I'm at, and it, it was to show you guys where I was as a child, where I was as a teen, and you know, where I was as a young adult and where I'm at right now, 36 year old dad, you know, and weekend guitarist slash, you know, plays video games when he can. And yeah. And if you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? And, and, and so, I mean, and the thing is, is that I also know that this isn't, this isn't the end for me, you know, and, right. and this isn't all that it's going to be in. And even in the last 10 years of my life where I just felt like I was stuck in a rut and, you know, that I was going to this nine to five desk job and just super depressed and gaining weight and my new addiction became food. And people have heard me say this a thousand times, but like, uh, I'm so glad that I remembered that thinking pattern of, Lord, I, I need to keep growing, Yes, you know, and, and that's when I, f I felt him once again, say like, Hey, like I, I, I didn't go anywhere, you know? And, and so we're. Where do I need to fan the flame? You know, what coals do I need to to blow on to get this fire inside of you going again? Yeah. And, and if you're not growing, you're dying in a lot of ways. You know, that, that I think that's that's what we have to remember too. Is it's not it's not really an option. You know, we have to we have to keep we have to keep growing. But you only grow if you're willing to listen and you're willing to consider and wrestle with these other differing viewpoints. Um, otherwise we set up a house of cards of, of what our beliefs are and what our doctrine is and what our po politics are. And we say, Oh, don't touch that. If you pull one card out of that, then the whole thing collapses and then I'll be in disarray. And, and, and it's like, you gotta be willing to be challenged and to listen. And that's what, one of the things I love about this 
this venue here, this podcast or whatever, is to be able to, to do that. I hope that when people listen to this, that they feel like, man, these guys are approachable. Like I could talk to these guys. They might have some strong opinions, but, but they're willing to actually listen. It, I'll, I'll turn it over to you, but I just, there's no, one other for, thing for I, sure. I was going to say is that it's really hard to, to hate somebody when you get to know them. Yeah. And the thing is too, is we're not, we're not trying to sell you something. We don't want to be approachable to say, gotcha. You know? Yeah. <laughs> now let's accept this Jesus. It you know, worked. Like, yeah. That but, was my strategy and it, he fell for it. You know, <laughs> I mean, the biggest thing I had on my heart, um, was, you know, thinking of somebody who was not forced, but like somebody who, whose parents gave them no option, but to go to a very strict church or like, you know, for me, it was like a, like a Baptist church where it was just like, it worked for some people and it works for some people. Let yep. me say that again. It works for some people. Right. But it just wasn't for me. Okay. Baptist and, church. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I, I think of somebody who's f- furthest away from that now because of that. And this is for them. Mm. Can you say the Greek term for uh, evangelical one more one more time? Euangelion. Euangelion. Like, we have this good news. Like, you don't have to be a part of what social media and the news is saying these evangelicals are. Because yeah. if if you seek to grow and and if in your core you're crying out to God, there's good news out there. Yeah. And there's bread to eat. And there's an opportunity to no longer be stuck where you feel stuck at. Yeah. That's the conclusion for this. Yeah. And with that being said, Eric, I, what I like to do is I like to honor my guests to just give them the last part of the part of the podcast to just talk about yourself. Um, I mean, I hope I gave you a great introduction, but you know, you were, you were my pastor and, and you still are, you know, and, and, I know you'd always be like, dude, don't call me that. Don't call, like, I'm your brother. You know, you like tithe to me yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on a different it, episode of prosperity preaching. <laughs> <laughs> right. Ah. Um, it's worked. pastor, mentor, jamming buddy. I mean, metalhead, you know, I mean, mm. um, old school video gamer, uh, you know, you I see you former mullet haver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I remember one time, dude. When MySpace was dying off, um, oh, this, I'm going to embarrass you and I'm so sorry, but I have to say this. When MySpace was dying off, you were like, hey, you came over, we were jamming out in the same room. You were like, hey, look up, look up so-and-so band. And it was like these three people. And I was like, "Oh no, dude, is that Chad Kroger from Nickelback? And you were like, don't do that to me. Don't do that to me. And I was like, is that you? And you had long hair and oh, like the goatee so was a little mean. bit more filled in. I'm sorry, dude. But oh, I, that was funny. I, I thought you were showing me like a joke, like, hey, that's where that loser started. Isn't and that, that was, funny? And that was me. And yeah. it was you. And I, I felt so terrible, man. Yeah. It's <laughs> so like terrible. the Kroger thing is like, it's, it's hair and nose, <laughs> nose and hair. <laughs> like that's, that's the Kroger thing. I'm pretty sure that's why you look like that guy from, cause I got that one time at a, I was at bunkers. Uh, gosh, this is 20 years ago. And maybe some of you know, bunkers and watching Mambo's combo. And someone came up to me and said, you look like Chad Kroger. I don't even think I knew who that was at the time. Like, you know, the Nickelback guy. And I'm like, this conversation has ended. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm man. no longer talking to you. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Okay. So, um, let me restart that over. So, 
pastor, mentor, jamming buddy. Mm. Um, I've seen you become a dad. You're an awesome. You're an awesome dad, and you're you're, you're in your family rocks. Um, what do you want to plug anything into this, or is there is there anything um, you'd like to promote about yourself in case people are more curious about you, or are will be excited? To at least um, when I bring you back on, they know who you are and what you're all about, man. Go yeah. ahead and take the spotlight. I appreciate. It. Well, thanks, thanks, man. I, yeah, that's very meaningful. All those things uh, that you said, um, it's it's great, and it's an honor to be on the podcast and and to just be able to mix it up and give my thoughts on some of these things. Um, yeah, and uh, what I'm doing now, just kind of fast forward. Yep, I've I've pastored and I have counseled and I've um, in the I did some counseling in the prisons and I um, I played music full time in my twenties and did I just you know, this the long and winding road. It was just <laughs> this long winding road of all kinds of stuff. But I think that one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about this topic is because you and I both share this thing of saying, okay, but what about my life and what about what I'm doing occupationally and otherwise is, is using these, this part of me that is, is about ministry and gospel and God and all that, because that's just burning in my heart and has been burning in my heart. So that's something that I think along the way has kind of coursed through, hopefully, has coursed through the different uh, avenues that I've taken in my life. And right now, I you know I have a, a coaching as you know I have a coaching business uh, practice business. If I say practice, I think that that that's, that sounds like I'm a therapist, um, and I'm not a therapist. Uh, but the I, I it's a the website. If anybody's interested, you can check out the website mybluesure.com, and um, and it, basically I just it's called transformational life coaching. And life coaching is one of those words like evangelical that I'd like to redeem <laughs> or reclaim, because a lot of people, when they think about life coaching, they, tell, they think about some reality TV show or something, you know, uh, something really cheesy or these people that, you know, get online and <clears throat> because they give advice to their friends, they want to get paid for it or something. I hope I'm not uh, that at all. I, I, I take it pretty seriously. And what I do is I, I help people in their lives. And with this idea of transformation, which is basically this thing of saying, people don't want to remain how they are. And and it's not a matter of just some superficial tweaks in their life of just saying, well, maybe if I, if I work out more or if I get a new job or if I get a new spouse, then everything's going to be better. I'm interested in people changing on a deep level in a transformative way. And that's what I want to help people with. So I'm, I'm kind of like a meaning coach where we're looking for those people who are in kind of existential crisis and are, are trying to find meaning in their lives and all that sort of thing, I kind of come alongside them and I help them address these different areas of their life and try to bring harmony to their lives where they are, have, have a, a vision for themselves that is meaningful and filled with hope and has a destination. And, um, and that's what I do as a, as a coach, and I've been doing it for... Uh, I've had Blue Shore since 2017, and um, and I absolutely love it. I do it full time, and uh, so if anybody's interested, uh, uh, some of you might say that's the last guy I want to get coaching from after hearing me today, or you might say this is a guy that uh, this might be something that I'd, I'd I'd be interested in. Feel free to check out the website, 
and uh, you can um, you can reach out to me through that way. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it's not about plugging that. Um, it's about just saying that I I love to be able to talk about these meaningful things, and uh, and something that is just kind of ever present and important. And this idea of what kinds of Christians are we, and if we're evangelical and we're spreading the good news, what does that even mean? And what are we going to be known for? And um, and to ask those hard questions. So anyway, with that, uh, that's about as far as I'll go. As far as myself, if if you got any other questions or thoughts for me, I'm happy to address it. But I do want to say, thanks, man. Yeah. Thank you, my no, brother, for having you. me on this today because it's been so enjoyable, and I look forward to more. And yeah. I love what you're doing. Thank you, thank you. And I'm I'm here because of the the encouragement and the the drive that you know you've. You've, you know, I want to say push, but in all the right ways, you know, like you've, you've really motivated me over the years. So thank you too. So guys, on the behalf of Eric Hoffmeister, my name's Alfredo Carranza, and this is where I'm at.